0: Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. It's Friday, March 1st, 2024, and like every Friday, we have Do I Have a Case with Attorney Keith Figured from the Figured Law Group. Keith, thanks for joining us today.
1: How are you doing, Rob? Pleasure to join you.
0: Thank you. we got some good questions today. Uh, we'll start off with the first one. Can you walk us through the Lemon Law? It's mostly thought of as a protection for car purchases, but does it extend to other items? Does Pennsylvania have additional protections that differ from any federal statutes?
1: All right, I think the first thing to point out or to make clear is that the Lemon Law actually is a Pennsylvania law. Um, which applies to new passenger vehicles purchased or leased and registered in Pennsylvania or or purchased or leased elsewhere, but registered first uh, for the first time in the state um, to qualify a vehicle Must be back to the shop repeatedly for the same issue or for an extended period of time For any number of issues now under Pennsylvania lemon law there are a number of requirements the PA Lemon Law covers cars and personal trucks with nonconformities that occur in the first 12 months or 12,000 miles, whichever comes first. Um, and the issue cannot be fixed after re- a reasonable number of repair attempts. That's usually three or more. Um, nonconformity is defined as a defect or issue that impairs the use, safety, or value of the vehicle. If your vehicle is in the shop for repair uh, 30 calendar days or more in the first 12 months or 12,000 miles again, whichever comes first, again, the, the Pennsylvania Lemon Law will also apply. Um, also important to know that legal representation under the um lemon law is one hundred percent cost free that's regardless if you win or lose because if you prevail uh they're responsible for covering your uh costs um now, in terms of the other part of the question so if in the event that the lemon law doesn't apply, there's actually a federal um it's called the mag Magnus and Moss. Warranty Act, and that would apply to cars, trucks, ATVs, or motorcycles that have been in the shop three or more times for a single problem under an original or extended manufacturer's warranty. Um, so there are different types of recourse. Um, again, if, if there's an issue that something arises with the vehicle, I would suggest that they reach out and speak with somebody, but particularly somebody that specializes in lemon laws. They would probably be familiar with these other um, laws that apply and uh, that would be the best way to to know what, if any, uh, remedies they have.
0: All right, great information. Uh, second question now. Most elected officials have a fiduciary duty attached to their office. Outside of the ballot box, what tools do the public have to hold elected officials accountable for this duty?
1: <sighs> so um, I guess where I can start with this one is, give uh, an overview of what the fiduciary duty is and what that requires. So now this will probably entail some comedy as well, but <laughs> uh, but in any event, um, regardless of whether specific rules or government ethics have been adopted, public officials have a broad fiduciary duty to carry out the responsibilities in a manner that is faithful to the public's trust. So a fiduciary is someone who acts for another. That is why trust and confidence are so important. Elected officials make important decisions on behalf of the public, including how to spend taxpayer and other public monies on infrastructure and services. Um, They also adopt and enforce regulations. Um, That being said, they wield a significant power of the public uh, pertaining to how taxes are spent and uh, the power to regulate so obviously you want to have uh, uh, some type of duty or, or requirement that they act and under the public's trust now the problem is is there is nothing as far as any teeth with regard to a breach of this fiduciary duty now what does it actually mean um, in terms of fulfilling a fiduciary duty. So according to federal prosecutors, that is, this is, I guess, where you get to the, the, the comical part, uh, but it's supposed to be honest public service means being conscientious, loyal, faithful, disinterested, and unbiased. Honest public services performed free of deceit, undue influence, conflict of interest, self-enrichment, self-dealing, concealment, bribery, fraud, and corruption. So, unfortunately, the only way to really hold these elected officials, at least that I'm aware of, um, accountable for a breach of their fiduciary duties is at, um, you know, as far as whether they're reelected. Now, I mean, you could probably become more um, involved, such as campaigning or bringing light to the breach of the fiduciary duty of the public official. But but aside from that, um, honestly, the only thing I can come across as far as holding them accountable would be whether they get reelected or not.
0: All right. Thanks, Keith. Uh, final question. Once a municipality, city, or state is made aware of a hazardous condition, say a missing sign, damaging pothole, inoperable traffic signal, what's their obligation to correct such to prevent further hazard? If they patch but not correct the issue and it continues to cause damage or hazard, is there repercussions? Hi,
1: right, so as we all know, potholes, crumbling roadsides, and other roadway defects are unfortunately a commonplace on Pennsylvania's roadways and unfortunately are responsible for numerous accidents and other types of damage to vehicles. Um, when a road defect causes injury to you or damage to your vehicle, Um, You may need to see compensation from government agencies and other organizations, and it does mention that in the question, for the roads design and maintenance to cover these injuries or damages. Um, What I think people don't realize is that it's a whole different um, uh, suit that is brought against a municipality or a state or government agency as it would be against a private entity say for a negligence claim and just to point out the difference um, under those scenarios um, and i guess i could jump to uh, the list of entities that Can be responsible in a situation like this because it's more than just a federal government agency. So, the list of people that are responsible or can be responsible for a defective highway design is can be anywhere from local, state, or federal government agencies um, responsible for maintaining the road. The government agency, if the bad road condition caused accidents that result in a chain of causation that leads directly to the government agency responsible for the road conditions, and this is where. Uh, Part of is left out of this question, but you could also sue a private company that contracted with the government to build, repair, and maintain the road. A private landowner, if the accident occurred on a private road, and the manufacturer of a defective product that caused the road accident, such as guardrails. So there's actually a lot really going on there. And again, coming back to the difference between whether it's a private company or a government entity, um, for the private company or landowner you have a two-year statute of limitations when you start suing governmental entities that gets significantly re- reduced to only six months so now you only have a six-month statute so anytime you have a situation involving a defective road design or do you believe the accident was caused by that it's important you seek uh you know uh, advice from an attorney as soon as possible, primarily to make sure you don't miss one of those statutes, but also to make sure you preserve in the event that, um, that effective road design, if they come in there and clear that out, you might lose the evidence necessary to establish your claim. So, um, again, I could go on probably for quite some time under this specific one, but yes, um, there are repercussions. Um, there are a lot of say humps uh, or uh, hoops to jump through, especially if it involves a government agency, but um, if you do what you need to in terms of preserving the evidence and you get proper, um, you can uh, file a successful claim.
0: Great information as always, Keith, and if someone wants to get in touch with you offline or in a non-public setting, uh, how can they do that?
1: They can contact me directly at 570-954-9299. They can also send me email to my account at Keith at FiguredLaw.com, and they can reach me through my website, which is FiguredLaw.com.
0: And if anybody has a question, you can email me at Robert.O'Donnell at Odyssey.com, and we'll get your questions to Keith on one of our Do I Have a Case segments. Keith, thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show today.
1: Thanks, Rob. Take care. Hope you have a nice weekend.
0: You too. Thank you.